Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. This episode's Ocean Advocate is Martina De Marcos. Martina is a marine scientist currently traveling from Tijuana to Patagonia, educating as many people as possible on the issues and solutions to plastic pollution. Hi, Martina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alison. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you on the show today and to share what you're doing with listeners and also for me to just learn a little bit more about you and and what drives your passion because clearly you're very passionate about plastic pollution and, you know, finding solutions to the issues. I'd love to start out. I know I just did a little bit of in, a little intro for you in English, but you being a uh, Spanish speaker as well, I'd love if you could maybe do a little intro for yourself in Spanish for maybe some of our listeners that speak Spanish. Okay. Hola, Tina de Marcos, y estoy haciendo un viaje desde Tijuana hasta la Patagonia, enseñando a la mayor cantidad de gente que puedo sobre el problema que tenemos con la basura plástica. Yay, that was great. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. I I pretend to speak a little bit of Spanish. Uh, you know, I can I can talk about myself or what I do or where I've been or where I'm from, or what I eat, but that's about it. <laughs> I love that you are bilingual and I love that you're using that amazing skill that you have to broaden your reach of your message and your passion even more. So I definitely I definitely want to get into that more, but I I love that you got to do that intro. Listeners to give you guys a little bit of background on how Martina is joining me on the podcast today, essentially, I just, I think Martina and I just kind of became friends on social media. We just have a lot of similar friends and colleagues and contacts all in this ocean conservation world. So uh, we became friends there. And, you know, she would comment on my stuff and I would comment on her stuff and uh, was just we were just following what each other was doing. So when she started this tour or campaign throughout Central and South America a couple months ago. I was so excited and intrigued. So I definitely wanted to have her on the show to share um, all of that and also, you know, her life passion with you guys. So I want to start out at the beginning, Martina. You are originally from Argentina. You're from Buenos Aires, which is a, a big city. So, you know, in terms of your growing up, your childhood there, what was your relationship to to nature, to the ocean? Where did this passion for the ocean and the environment stem from in terms of your childhood in Argentina? I think it has a lot to do with my family. Uh, even my granddad is a big fan of the ocean and the river because we have a huge river in Buenos Aires. So we were always connected with that. But every single summer I would go for like, a month at least to the ocean and for me it was my favorite part of the year and we would spend like we would arrive to the beach at 10 a.m and leave at 8 p.m and my mom loved it too and yes I think it runs in the family we all just love being at the beach and yes it was like my special time of the year. Nice that's great. In terms of you know a, a plastic waste or pollution um, is that 
is that something that you were aware of as a a child growing up in a big city or was it something that you you maybe didn't become aware of until you know you got a little bit older I think I wasn't as aware as now of course but I always had was I would always get angry at people who threw rubbish away from their cars and or who left rubbish in at the parks and stuff like that I was always very sensitive to that since I was young but something that always comes to my mind is that when I was a child I would go on like for a walk with my grandma at the beach and we would collect uh, seashells and we would never see rubbish and that's something that really strikes me how in just 20 years that has changed so much yeah definitely I I have a similar experience as well so from there you grew up in Buenos Aires and you eventually it led you to studying in Sydney, Australia to get your degree in marine science. So how did that come about? I mean, how did you go from Argentina to Australia, you know, becoming a marine scientist? Well, it's funny because I was born in Australia, actually. My parents are Argentinian, but they were living here. So uh, like I grew up like my family would call me like the little kangaroo of the family or something. And of course, I don't even have an accent from an Australian, but I always had Australia in my mind. It was always there, like a special space in my heart or something. And when I finished school, I did a six-month retreat, a meditation retreat. And after finishing that, I, I just wanted to go see the world. Like you can imagine after six months of being with your eyes closed almost. <laughs> I was like, I want to go everywhere. So I decided to come to Australia for four months. And I also want, I thought, oh, I'll just work, make some money, get to see the country where I was born. And after three months of being here, I was like, nah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I loved it. Wow. So I ended up staying and that's how I ended up st- studying here and all of that. Wow. And, and you were able to to go and stay easily because did you still have citizenship there yes exactly yes at, at that time I only had Australian citizenship so yes ah. it was very easy. <laughs> okay interesting wow well, that's a really a great gift that your parents gave you maybe they didn't realize at the time yes totally I was so so lucky Okay, so you started studying marine science at uh, the University of Sydney. During that time, was there something that sparked your interest in uh, marine debris, plastic pollution, these issues and, you know, problems facing the ocean? Or did that come after? Yes, it was surprising to me. You know, my third year at Sydney Uni, I was on a trip, on a field trip, and they did like a... Uh, how do you say like an elective topic and I chose marine debris just by chance and when I started reading all the papers the scientific papers I was in shock I just couldn't believe all the information that was available and that was crazy and that I didn't know and I just thought if I don't know then if I didn't know then and no one else would know like my mom would never know my friends would never know and I just thought I need to do something about this I need to make people aware and thanks God like plastic debris, plastic, yeah, plastic waste and marine debris have become a really hot topic the la- this last two years, I think. But three or four years ago, no one knew about this. So then I decided I need to do something. And that's how it all started happening, I think, inside me, right? Just building up. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, 
you know, you mentioned, you know, this last couple years, things, the topic becoming much more present in our global society. Obviously, there's a long way to go. But um, I think that's definitely accurate. I've felt that as well. And, you know, I think that you are definitely part of that, you know, rising, uh, uprising of, of the issue becoming present. And, you know, so many more of our, our colleagues, some of which I've had on this show, we're all part of this kind of sea change movement. And it's it's so inspiring to see because, you know, like you said, your your mom, your friends, whoever wouldn't know if, if you didn't know. And it's interesting to me because in, in my personal life now, my some of not not all, but some of my friends, they know and some of my family, they know or at least they're aware of it, you know, or they'll bring it up to me. So that's been really inspiring for me to to experience because before maybe I was the only one that in my circle that really was thinking about it too much. And now many other people are, are aware. Is that the same experience for you? Yes, totally. It is very nice to see, especially when like friends tag me or something and they're like, I picked this up for you or I didn't use a plastic bag because you told us. And, and yes, I realized that more and more people are aware and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lot more in the conversation especially in Australia like everyone knows now there's an issue yeah and and I love it also when it's not even um you know someone someone messages me and said oh I I didn't do this or I did this because I heard what you said or you know something like that but I love it even when they bring up a program that they watch that I had nothing to do with or, you know, something that they saw online from someone else, you know, because that means that it's not just coming from me, it's coming from other people as well. I absolutely agree. It's like, we're not the only crazy people. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then after you got your degree from uh, in Sydney, you spent some time in Panama working for the United Nations Environment Program. So can you talk a little bit about your experience in Panama? Yes, it was a great experience for me, like a big learning curve. I did first an internship and then a consultancy. And that's really where my desire to start teaching, well, or giving talks in schools started because it was very sweet. Two little kids from year six came to our office and they were asking about the issue of plastic waste and I offered to give the, they had to give a presentation and what I offered was to prepare the presentation with them and that we gave it together so that they would just give some parts and I would talk other parts and a bit like that and that's how it really started for me to give giving talks in schools after that one another school asked me to go and give a talk and another school and another school and that's how I thought, oh, we need to train people to be able to, so that they can go to schools. And yeah, that's how in Panama, that's what happened in Panama. And something that was very funny for me is that living there was very shocking to see the amount of rubbish that was lying around, like the amount of rubbish that people were throwing out from their cars, uh, people who were throwing rubbish at the beach. Like, and I was collecting rubbish in front of them and they just completely ignored me or like looked at me as if I was crazy. And like one thing that really shocked me was the amount of plastic bags that they were giving out, like two plastic bags for whatever, like, a, I don't know, a packet of chips or something would come in two plastic bags just in case you broke it in the middle of your way. And my big desire was to prohibit them, like ban them. 
but we did everything with within the UN's reach and we couldn't make it. But one of our my programs ended up or resulted in the plastic bag ban in Panama and that was for me an amazing thing. Yeah, definitely. That's that's so amazing that you are such a big part of that bag ban that was passed in Panama. In terms of bag bans, um, you know, listeners, if you don't necessarily know what bag ban means, it means, uh, you know, a, a city or a town or a, a whole country like Panama will pass actual legislation to no longer allow you know, stores, vendors, and there's, there's oftentimes a lot of different rules that accompany these different legislations in different areas. But essentially, it's not no longer allowing uh, stores and vendors to use or give out plastic bags, single use plastic bags. So Martina, in terms of bag bans, and you know, the one in Panama that you were very influential in, in getting passed, what, what do you think that a bag ban does beyond banning bags? I think it is a great strategy or a great tool to raise awareness on the issue of plastic pollution. Because like, if you just ban the bag and don't make any education campaigns, the, the bag ban won't work. Like People won't listen to it and especially in countries like uh, Latin American countries, if you don't make a big education campaign, no one will comply with it and you can't be putting fines to 100% of the population. So that's the awesome part. You're, you're going to have to be educating a lot on the issue and that will bring awareness on all the other aspects of plastic consumption, not just plastic bags. So I think that's the best part about it. Yeah, and so obviously what you're doing in terms of you know, traveling around uh, Central and South America and educating is such a crucial part of, you know, if there is any bans or, you know, legislation passing to ban plastics or maybe if even if there's not, the education is such such a crucial tool in, in the process. I agree. Yes. In Haiti, Haiti, I don't know how to say yeah, it. Haiti, English, yeah. yeah, Haiti, yeah. Haiti, <laughs> yeah. They banned the bag twice like they passed laws that banned the bag twice and none of those times it worked because they didn't do any education so i think that's like the best example of how important educating is and preparing the people for the change so and that's not the only example there are other cities in mexico where they've banned the bag and everything business as usual you know no one changed it at all and that's because there wasn't enough education so my my goal now and I, what I want to do when I get to Panama is make sure that the Ministry of Environment and the people who really pass the law, like they ensure that education is also being in place because if not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's amazing. So you eventually left Panama, you went back to Australia, and you are currently getting your master's um, in environmental management. So, and I know that your master's program is a little bit unique. It sounds really amazing to me. So can you describe your, your master's program that you're in right now a little bit? Yes, for sure. It's amazing, but very tough. Because <laughs> I'm writing a thesis and it's on plastic waste management in remote coastal areas. And it's like, it's challenging for me because I'm not very scientific and good at writing, but it's an amazing learning curve because I'm getting to know about the 
like all of these that like, I'm explaining to you about the laws and the plastic bag ban is because I've looked into many different countries who have banned the bag and how it worked. And that's, yeah, for me, that's the amazing part of doing my thesis that I, I get to learn very specific stuff that I'm interesting, interested in. And yes, I'm getting to know a lot more about the technologies that are available and also about the laws that are making real changes. And so this campaign or tour that you're currently on from, like I said in the intro, Tijuana to Patagonia is actually part of your of, of writing your thesis and doing the research and doing the education, correct? It wasn't really, but now at the moment it might be. Like I might be using some interviews that I'll be doing during my trip, yes. When my supervisors knew about my trip, they were like, we need to use that information. So yes, I think we're going to include some information from my trip. Okay, so I actually thought that it was part of your your research and you were doing this tour in order to, you know, fulfill some of the uh, needs of your master's degrees. But I didn't realize that it was totally separate. So this was just something that you decided, okay, I'm getting this master's, I'm in this very, you know, difficult, challenging program, I'm going to go on tour for, um, <laughs> you, you're, you're on tour for like eight months? Yes, I think it's going to be eight to nine months. Yes. Wow. Yes, I'm crazy. I didn't think, I, I usually don't think so much about the, the consequences of my decisions. I just think everything's going to be easy and I'm super relaxed. But then when things come to fruition, it's very, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can understand it. Why did I make this decision? <laughs> yeah, but you have good intentions. So that's, that's I guess, the good part. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, okay, so they're, they're separate things. But now your, your advisors and your professors are so intrigued by what you're doing that um, and this tour and traveling through Central South America, they're like, oh, my gosh, we need to use some of this information. Yes, exactly. And I think if, if I use it well, hopefully, I will be able to show the importance of education. And that's something that I believe is very important. So hopefully I'm not biased when doing this <laughs> research. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think that's that would be such an incredible component to include as if you can show how important the, the education side of things is. Because uh, you know, from my perspective, as as someone that visits a lot of schools and, and public venues to educate people, it oftentimes it's it's difficult to um, to share the value of it. You know, it's difficult to get some people to understand why it's such a crucial part of the process. So I think that the more scientific literature that can come out showing that it is a very crucial part of the process, then maybe there'll be more openness to it, more encouragement of it, and also more funding for it would be would be great. So um, yeah, I hope that you're I hope that you're able to include that. That would be great. Yes, thank you. Yes, I think it is like for everyone, or at least for me, it's very intuitive. Like I think, of course, education is such an important part. But, but it's true that there's not so much literature on it and we really need it yeah so yes hopefully i can show some good stuff okay so in terms of your travels now from tijuana to patagonia where have you gone so far where are you currently in your journey and you know where's your next stop i've been 
almost through all of Mexico. I did a lot of Baja California, which is a peninsula, which I thought was very important because it's full, like surrounded by ocean and protected oceans. Uh, they, they call it the aquarium of the world because there's so many different species there, like blue whales, gray whales, uh, whale sharks, all the fishes in the world. Like it's an amazing place. So I just thought it was important to go there and raise awareness. And then I went to through four other states in Mexico. And now I'm going to be going to Guatemala on the 18th of this month. Nice. That's amazing. And so you are planning to get to Patagonia like sometime by the end of the year, like in December or so? Yes, that's a plan. Yes. I Everything in Argentina and I guess Chile is the same, stops by the 15th of December. Like everyone gets too busy by then. So I, I'm planning to stop like the last latest, the 15th of December. On your tour so far, you know, you've gone through Mexico. What was something that you came across that really surprised you that you weren't expecting to discover? Maybe it was a positive thing or maybe it was a negative thing. Well, one thing that really surprised me was I was in Baja California in a town that was in the middle of nowhere, like no internet connection, not even Wi-Fi, no cellular phone connection or anything and the people I met there were very aware of the problem with plastic like they were please can you teach us how to do our toothpaste please can you teach us how to do our deodorant we want to know how to do our sunscreen they were very inclined to make a huge change and I was like oh my god wow I just thought they would be like completely oblivious to the problem and not they were very like on top of it and I was very like happily surprised and then another one that was not so happily what that I was not so happy to see was uh, this very small community of 500 people who lived in the just next to a it's a lagoon but it's really the ocean like a, it's really a harbor it's called a lagoon but it's really a harbor where uh, gray whales go to have their babies and they spend their like they spend like 3 months there and the whole community is just very close to the harbor and it was full of rubbish. And it's only 500 people. And I was like, this is this is sad. Because mm-hmm. the baby whales are just there for three months. And it, it's full of rubbish. Wow, yeah. And, and so do you feel like that community that you interacted with that was very, very, um, you know, responsive and interested in learning how to reduce their plastic waste? Do you feel like they were so... They were like that because they see the effects of the plastic waste so much? I guess so. And I I think because there's so much tourism in that area as well, they have have more contact with, I don't know, with with other information and the outer world. And probably these ladies also were well-traveled. And I was surprised by that. And they knew more. So, yes. Wow. I feel like it had to do with their questions with the outside of the, the town. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I'm just speculating yeah. here, but maybe a community that is um, creating all the plastic, most of the plastic waste themselves, maybe they are, are less inclined to want to get rid of it. But maybe a community where, you know, tourists are coming and the, the outsiders are creating a lot of the the waste and, and pollution, maybe they're more inclined to change. Is that 
may be accurate based on your observations so far? Well, I, I can't say that is a, a fact, but I think you have a bit of, yes, it could, you, you have a good idea because a lot of people were complaining about the tourists. And I was like, yes, the tourists, but also you guys are making the waste. So I think you have a point. And yes, it, I think it, it is like that in some places I've visited. Mm-hmm. I can't say it's everywhere, but yes. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. In terms of your presentations that you're giving, are you only going to schools? Are you, you know, you mentioned these women in this in this one town in Baja, California. Are you... Um, you know, how do you have it set up? Do you have each school already that you're going to go talk to for the next several months? Or are you just kind of speaking with uh, whoever wants to listen when you get there? I think it's more or less like that. (laughs) It's very hard to have every school lined up for the next few months. So I'm trying as hard as possible to get as more dogs organized as quick as possible, because I think that I realize that with more time, it's better organized. Uh, but I'm doing every di- every part of the community I can. I just go to universities, to groups groups of women, groups of different NGOs. I've been to schools. Uh, I've been to private schools, to public schools. Also did events with the government and universities, and we also did one with the UN. So really, I'm just trying to get to as many people as I can in the easiest way possible. In your presentations, you're obviously talking about the issues regarding plastic pollution ending up in our, you know, environment and our in the ocean and all of the negative effects that come with that. Um, listeners, if if you um, want to learn more, I know we haven't really been talking about, you know, why <laughs> plastic is bad for the ocean in this episode. If you want to learn more about that, I have several episodes. Um, already recorded in the podcast about plastic pollution in the ocean, what's going on, you know, in terms of microplastics and microbeads and, um, you know, where it's coming from and what happens to it and everything like that. So um, if you want to learn more about that, definitely just cruise through the episodes. If anything mentions plastic pollution, marine debris, most likely you can learn a lot more there. Yeah. So Martina, in terms of your presentations, you're obviously bringing up those topics. Um, You're educating on that. And you you mentioned with that one, the group of women in Baja that you were teaching them, you know, how to make their own products so that they wouldn't have to buy products in plastic packaging. Um, So you're also teaching about the solutions. How far into that are you going in terms of in terms of talking about the solutions or actually teaching about the solutions, showing them how to do things? Kind of what's your what's your process on that so far? Sure. Well, it will depend on each community. Like some, I went to very like schools of kids that were very young, and I would just be like, "Don't litter, don't litter, don't litter," and like that was my main message, you know. But with uh, more mature people, I teach them every single thing that I do. Like I tell them every single thing that I've done to reduce my plastic uh, consumption or single-use plastic consumption. And I also, at the end of the talk or the workshop. We do our own products, so I ask them to take the ingredients or I take the ingredients and they take their own jars so that they can take the products away and and try them themselves. I think that's a great idea because when you start making your own products, you kind of start really realizing how much plastic we consume. Yeah. So that's the main idea. 
That's that's amazing that you're doing that as well. And then are you also kind of on the side doing some research, you know, seeing how different communities are disposing of their waste or, you know, how different communities are being affected by plastic pollution? Are you taking notes on that? Are you taking, you know, extensive notes? Are you interviewing people in terms of kind of the research side of things during your during your journey? I did that a bit. Uh, in the remote places I visited, especially in Baja California. And I was very surprised to see how people in those places or just the community in general, as the, the central government is not helping at all, or in, mostly in those places, they have to deal with their own waste. And what they're doing is burning it usually or burying it. And sometimes, or most of the times, they take them to a place that is a bit further away and throw it there, just chucking it there without covering it or anything. It's not contained. So a lot of the times, all the rubbish that has been taken to these special places flies around, you know, it goes back. Or one in particular was um, an open landfill. An open landfill is a place where people, well, not where people, where the garbage trucks take the, uh, the rubbish but it was so uncontained and unproperly done. And it was just 50 meters away from the ocean. I was just so shocked mm. because all the rubbish from this small town, but it had already like 5,000 people was being thrown into this place. And it was just 50 meters away from the ocean. Wow. So you're definitely taking notes on the ways in which they're disposing of, of, uh, of their waste. Because like you said, when you described your master's program, your, your thesis is waste management in uh, in remote areas near the sea so that must be really interesting for you to experience yes and it was funny because there's not much information about it online or on papers but i had read that it that that's the way it's done but seeing it firsthand is so striking like to see to realize that there's so much waste going into the ocean or into the desert or into the forest just because they are not managing it at all is pretty shocking Yeah. You know, obviously, you're seeing a lot of difficult things to see, you know, so much waste and accumulation and inadequate management and disposal of it. It, At the end of, you know, visiting a community or, you know, now that you've kind of visited all the places in Mexico that you were you were planning to visit, what is the feeling that you're left with? Are you feeling hopeful? Are you feeling defeated? Are you feeling as though the education is is effective or inspiring those that you were able to reach how do you feel it's going so far thank you for asking i'm feeling really hopeful really <laughs> uh, i feel like i leave them with lots of tools if they want to do something personally to change the community or change the ways in their community i feel there's a lot of people who are concerned and a lot of people who want to do something so it's only about time that it happens that's amazing. And yeah. um, listeners, if you are inspired by what Martina is doing and uh, intrigued and want to support her in her mission of traveling from uh, Mexico all the way to Patagonia, like we said, she's you know just gotten through Mexico, so she has a long way to go. And it's, it's amazing that she's so dedicated and, and really inspiring so many. and and learning so much. So if you want to support her in her journey that she's currently on, she does have an Indiegogo campaign. So um, you can probably just Google Martina de Marcos Indiegogo and you can find it. I will also link 
to it when I post this podcast episode, when I post it on, you know, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and also my social media channels. So you guys can find that there if you want to check it out. And I will also be linking to her Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to follow along with her while she's on her journey, you can uh, definitely do so. You can uh, reach out to her if you have ideas or questions or comments or just, you know, send her support through comments and, and uh, messages. So I will definitely be linking to that at the when I post this podcast episode as well. Martina, I want to thank you so much for all of the positive change that you're creating for the ocean. It is amazing. Uh, this this journey that you're on and also doing a master's program and, you know, all of uh, your work in Panama and and all the rest. So I definitely want to thank you for that. And I also want to thank you for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate like the exposure and your time. And yeah, you're very, very nice. And what you said at the beginning, I am your fan. That's how we became friends. <laughs> so thank you very much for giving me the time. You just heard Martina De Marcos, a marine scientist currently traveling from Tijuana to Patagonia, educating people on the issues and solutions to plastic pollution. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast and to contribute to help keep the podcast episodes coming, visit OceanAllison.com. And tune into next month's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.